I wouldn't even know how to do that. What do you do? Just like walk up to random people and go, hey, blah, 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 sports. the flagship podcast of the Dynasty Sports Empire Podcast Network. We bring you the latest in sports and fantasy sports, or shall we say, a lighter approach to what most people consider a very serious undertaking. On the show today, episode 81, recording October 25th, 2022, the World Series is set. We talk about big questions about the playoffs and how it played out. Um, And then we jump over to the NFL. There are some big trades that happened, um, some just fantasy football type trades. Um, and which teams are moving up, moving down, who's our top and bottom within the NFL, as we are 7-17th through the season. For more, you can follow us at DSE Podcast on Twitter. So let's get right into it. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Roman. Alongside me tonight is every night is a guy who definitely likes his playoffs unpredictable. It's Tim Reinhardt. Welcome, Tim. I took a guess on that. Yeah, this has been a fun baseball playoffs to to pay attention to as an, as a non, well, as like somebody that doesn't have a team in it. Um, and I, I want to hear your take on this because I think like, it's interesting. The Phillies have been on a roll since that ninth inning against the Cardinals in game one of the playoffs. Yep. They limped into the playoffs. They get recharged in that inning. They're down. I think they were down by a couple Two of rounds. Um, yep. And score six. And now they've pretty much been unstoppable. They've lost, I believe, two games since then. So, um, I mean, they're, they're like a buzzsaw, right? Or they're, you know, like a buzzsaw. But they're running into another, you know, a similar one um, in the Astros. So, I, I think if this series started, like, today, I'd give the Phillies a greater chance to win. I I wonder if this break has been um, a little bit of a momentum uh, vampire, so to speak. And Mm. if that's going to mean better news for um, better news for the Astros. I mean, you think it's, it could cool, it could cool them off. Right. Yeah. Like you're just in a groove, you're playing every day. You got, you know, you got your off days to travel. Um, You know, that they're in, they were in a groove there and now, no, they're not. Yeah, and I, I think that's possible. I definitely think they have two top pitchers. So getting the rest and lining up their two pitchers in game, you know, however they want to do, you know, one, two, four, seven, or something like that, um, gives them advantage because they're not quite as deep in the rotation as as Houston is. Yeah. Uh, so, so lining that up, certainly, because if they went from one to the next, I think you could – uh, argue they could keep their momentum, but also, you know, the their starting pitchers are so important to their team um, because they don't, you know, they get, as you saw, their fourth starter in that last game um, pretty much didn't get out of the first inning. No, so, not didn't pretty much. Uh, he he didn't. <laughs> I was there 100% like didn't. A, a total yeah. two outs recorded by the starting pitchers yeah. in that game. What a wild yeah. game. Yeah, so so let me ask you then a big question yeah. about the playoffs in, in, in general, not just baseball playoffs, okay. but baseball is, do you like your playoffs to be 
more like the NBA. NBA, 80% of the top seeds advance. It pretty much always crowns the best team, right? I don't think a lot of people argue, you know, that somebody comes from outside and and becomes, you know, a champion, right? right? That often. Versus baseball, football, um, college you know, basketball, even hockey, college basketball. College basketball, yeah, I think it, it, it's a little bit more predictable. But again, you know, you see four seeds, which is like 20th, you know, overall team. You know, do you like your playoffs predictable, like the NBA, or do you like them unpredictable, like baseball, for example? I like them sort of unpredictable, I think. I, I And I guess like, I know that there was a lot of, I don't know if this is kind of where you're going with it, but there's a lot of commentary that, that like how the baseball playoff structure does not benefit the best teams. Right. To which I say, doesn't seem to bother the Houston Astros. Right. They've been the best team in the AL for six years and they've made it to the ALCS for six years. Like, so they've got it figured out. Um, and that that seems like it's it's one of those um, like outcome based analyses that maybe shouldn't necessarily be like you know all right well the Dodgers didn't hit the Yankees didn't hit like what what, what do you what do you want you want to just like get the I understand like a hundred sixty two game season is the ultimate separator of like. Um, who's who's the best team? Like, if you win 110 games like the Dodgers did. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, we, we had it that way for a, a real long time. The Dodgers would have played the Astros three weeks ago, and we'd all be sitting here twiddling our thumbs with, you know, no baseball. So, like, I, I guess I don't mind the variability of it. It happens, like you said, in just about every sport with the exception of the NBA you see two seeds, not every year in the NCAA tournament, but you know, it's not uncommon for a two, a three, a four seed to go down in the first round. No one complains about that. No one complained when the Bengals knocked off the number one seed in the Titans. And then no one, you know, no one was saying the playoffs didn't benefit them or benefit the chiefs when they went to the, you know, this is one of those things like, it almost reminds me of like the overtime rules victory or uh, overtime rules argument. Like you're making the yes. argument based on the outcome that you didn't want to happen. So had it happened the way you wanted it, had the Dodgers won, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. And, and it shifts the blame away from your team or whoever you wanted to be in the world series to the system, right? It's not, it's not our fault that we didn't. Right. It, it's the ultimate lack of accountability on. argument. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I, I, that was kind of like the side of the argument that, you know, discussion that I want to have because I, I didn't find anybody's argument persuasive. And the one thing that I did find interesting was a statistician said that in order to achieve the, um, 80%, you know, rate of the NBA, each baseball playoff round would have to be best of 76 games. Um, so basically, a whole season. <laughs> each yeah, that, that, each that round seems like it's a, a little yeah. bit too long. <laughs> yeah, a little bit too long. So you'd go, you'd wrap around the year. Um, so, I, personally, I, as a person who you know likes to watch 
sports and I like to watch, especially playoffs. The unpredictability is the reason that you tune in, right? Because if you know that team X is going to advance 80% of the time, like I, I don't find that quite as interesting when it's more like a 50, 50 proposition, right? And it doesn't matter who it is. If it's, if it's, you know, the sixth seed or, and a number one seed, that's fine too. Like, I think there's, if you want people to watch a wild card game of the NFL, it has to be 50, 50 coin flip. Otherwise people aren't going to tune in if they think, Oh, well, we already know what's going to happen. Right. 80% chance the bucks beat the Eagles. And maybe that was the case last year, but you know, there, there's upsets in every one and your point to the Bengals, right? A couple things bounce the Bengals way and there they go. They're in, they're in the, they're in the Super Bowl, and they're a couple bounces away from winning the Super Bowl. Um, so I think that that part of the playoffs is uniquely American. You know, if you look at England, they play soccer, right? They have, you play each every other team two times home and away. And whoever has the most points at the end of the season is the winner. Right. Sure. Great. That seems like a fair system, but without playoffs, like you're missing kind of that fun, anything goes angle at the end of the season, which I think is, is, um, is, is a fun element. And one more thing that I metaphor that I was thinking about this, um, and I'll let you talk again, Tim. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you're you're that, doing great. I, I endorse everything so far. Okay. The baseball playoffs feel like to me, like if you have a marathon, right. You have a bunch of people running a marathon. You take the top 12 finishers, you have them run a hundred yard dash, then a 200 yard dash and a 400 yard dash. And whoever wins that last 400 yard dash is the winner of the marathon, right? They're completely different things. Who knows what happened to the top 12 people at the end of the race. One guy could have pulled the hamstring, you know, in the last hundred yards or, you know, one guy is terrible at running short distances, whatever. Like, you know, they're, they're so different, but you know, within being the same sport, so to speak. Yeah. I, I liken it very similar to, I guess, to not like a separate race, but the whole thing is the marathon and yeah. So you, you led, um, for 23 miles and then some guy that, you know, was way behind that, at you know mile 20 is making the surge up heartbreak hill or whatever and and surpasses or or it's like that where do they do that dopey race where the guy in like the full green suit like races a fan on the outfield uh morning track you know uh, yes yes yeah. the freeze yeah it's, the freeze. it's like that one yeah. guy who thought he was gonna win and threw his arms out <laughs> he's like yeah you know i made it this far well guess what there's still a little bit left to go like and and, yeah. and you lost so like, no, I guess I really, I guess I, I dislike the arguments in which like, uh, in, uh, in sports specifically in which the outcome, like your team loses. And so you argue that the system was yes. problematic when if they had won, you wouldn't really probably be making that argument. Would I have Absolutely. liked the, I mean, the Cardinals by all accounts should have defeated the Phillies, right? Like. Had three home yep. games, should have done it. Um, didn't close game one, and then didn't hit in game two. That's it. That's the way it goes. Yep. Like we it's all played right. by the same rules to get here. So, yep. you know, I don't. I don't really understand what the 
what the whole you know to do is about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think your allegory to the overtime rules complaining is is very similar. If you if you lose an overtime without getting the ball, you're like, well, why are we doing this? This is a terrible rule, right? Um, but it's not really the problem. The rule. The problem is that you didn't stop them. Right. And and know, then meanwhile, go all right, fine. Change change the rule. Right. Next year, the Giants sign Aaron Judge and. They win 110 games, and the Dodgers win 109, like happened two years ago. And you want the best record crown? Ah, too bad. Right. You know, like it, you, you you can't have it the way you, you know. It, like it, it's so dependent on the outcome that each year is so different that if the Dodgers finish not in first, you wouldn't. You know, this isn't an argument you'd make. So, right, like, yeah. Can't, you can't change the rules mid, you know, mid mid game. I guess. Uh, anyway, it's it's. I, I too have not. I've I've read a lot of the arguments, and I too just am not convinced that any of them make a whole lot of sense. Right, and and we talk about this, and we'll we'll move on to the next big question. Is we talk about it a little bit when we talked about college football playoff, where they were like one year there were three good teams when the BCS was only two when they're yeah. like, well, we, we should expand it. Well, then the next year there is two good teams and having four in there, makes no sense. And then the next year there's five good teams and then one gets left out. So when you're making the rules and changing them based on what happens in one year to your point, right next year, giants could be amazing. And then if you change the rules, then it doesn't you know apply the next year. So yeah. um, I, I think, you know, Expanded playoffs are something that's going to keep happening. NFL's expanding them. Everybody's expanding them. You know, the owners want more money, so they'll keep expanding the playoffs. And they'll keep being... And when you expand the playoffs, that means more coin flips. And, you know, I think teams, you know, it it lines you up well for heartbreak, you know, because of all these coin flips. Right. But as as casual observers, if if you're a neutral, if you're a general sports fan i think it makes for good watching yeah so let's go to then the the kind of the next big question about this who is who had the most heartbreaking exit from the playoffs so i had four teams that i picked and there could be more because it it felt like a pretty heart rippy (laughs) type um playoff so obviously the cardinals we talked about um 93 and 0 and leading in the playoffs by more than one run in the ninth inning and they blew it uh, the Mets obviously blew the the um, division lead at the end of the year and then lost game three uh, to uh, San Diego. Yes. And they're out just like that. Uh, the Dodgers, as you mentioned, won 100 and a billion games. They're out to San Diego, their rival. Um, and the Yankees, who just got swept. So I would Houston. actually argue the most painful playoff um, loss was Seattle. Okay. Um, that 18 inning game, okay. um, yeah. where the, their pitching held the most potent offense in the American league to no runs for the span of the equivalent of two games and then gave up one at the end and they lose. That's gotta be, and, and they were up, or I think it was, um, yeah, they were up in game one, lost on a walk-off. They were tied in game two, I think, late, if not winning, and they lost on um, a late, another late home run. And then the 18-inning game, 
I mean, that's just like to be in a position to win every single game and then have the last minute um, the, uh, you know, the other team just come snaking out from under you. Like, it's just that's that's heartbreaking. Now, if I if, if we were Dodger fans, we'd say, well, why shouldn't we play seven innings? You know, um, right. the game would have been over then. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like, it, yeah, I think that. And and add to that the history component where they hadn't been to the playoffs in 20 years. Um, right. You know, waiting for this moment if you're a Mariners fan and finally getting there and then losing, not just losing in three games, right? You know, you, you get blown out three times. You're in a different league than somebody, whatever. Uh, or they're in a, another whole other ballpark than you find. Um, they were in and competitive and able to win every game and didn't. And I think that that is what's the most heartbreaking thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, they basically played four games. Um, and one of them, they lost on a walk-off. The other one, they lost, you know, in the, in the 18th inning. And the other one was an 8-7 to seven game, which I believe they had a pretty sizable lead in game one. I think they um, were either leading or tied for all but, like, four outs in the series. Right. Which And lost all three games. That's, that's insane Yeah, when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I think um, does um, help a little bit is they hadn't been in the playoffs for so long and they um, they did win that first series. So I think that did help. But again, I think you're right, because that game one, they gave up two runs in the eighth and three runs in the ninth. Um, there was a walk off. Yeah. So they were they were they were up four runs and going into the eighth. Yeah. That so and that game two, Seattle was up two to one going into the sixth and lost it four to two. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a very pretty, pretty gut wrenching way to lose. Yeah. And, and especially in the, at the D you know, at the, um, the wild card and the DS level, right. Your, your best of three. Well, I'm sorry. The, the first round is best of two, but um, best of three, it just is over so quickly, right? Like, two days, like two games, you're down to nothing. And you're like, Oh wow. Like just in a blink of an eye, um, those things can be over. And I think that contributes to the heartbreak. Um, I, I didn't have a good answer to this, honestly. I I think I was going to, I think I was going to say the Mets just because of the expectations and how they collapsed at the end of the year, um, to lose that, um, kind of first round buy. Um, and then to just have their star pitchers going in, in three games and and not be able to to win two of those three was um, you know really a really a rough exit I would say. Yeah, that that one was brutal. Uh, we're we're pretty close fans with a with a big Mets fan. Uh, you know they too have been waiting waiting for a while. Um, you know getting. Uh, losing in 2015, then getting uh, knocked out the way they did in, in 2006. They had one, I want to say it was 08 maybe, where they had a big lead in the uh, in the division and lost it and didn't make the playoff. You know. So they've been through a lot as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess that that is pretty, pretty devastating. They they did have their chances and they had um, they had their pitcher. I, I guess I feel 
less bad for them um, just because they had, um, let's see, I want to make sure I say this right, go back in time. They had, uh, I think, DeGrom on the mound. Um, and, or I'm sorry, they, they had their pitching set up the way they, they, the way they wanted it. Um, and it, it did not, like, they still couldn't, still couldn't go out and do it. Um, so they had, let's see, they had Scherzer start the first game. He gave up seven runs in four innings. Um, and then they had, then they had the whole thing. Oh yeah. It was DeGrom. Do we start him in game two or game three? Um, you know, they, they, they were kind of playing with fire on that decision even. So I guess like I feel like they bungled themselves a little bit more, so I feel a little bit less devastated for them. I'm with you 100 um, percent on that. It makes sense, um, and I think you know their tightness, you know, about the the playoffs contributed to how they ended it. You know, like they were like it wasn't they weren't relaxed and having fun. They were very uptight about it, and they messed it up yeah they're they're not the phillies that's for sure those guys are loose loose and ready to roll ready to rock absolutely all right so let's let's talk about the nfl and um, wait who you got who you got real quick in the series um, i'm I'm gonna roll with my hometown phillies i i gotta go with them i don't like houston i think um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna let the let the good times continue to roll uh houston's a great team but you know I, i picked the phillies yeah i i Mm, this would be like a head heart thing. Like I think the Astros are probably going to win, but I'm certainly rooting for the Phillies. Okay. So we, we, we have a, an, a guest on the podcast oh. for somebody who, uh, who's uh, decided to skip bedtime here a little bit that he had an opinion about um, baseball. Did you have an opinion about baseball? This is uh, TJ is here. Um, he, he had an opinion about baseball that you wanted to share. All right, let's hear series. it. So I heard a little bit of this on the radio, so credits the radio. But I heard I heard the Phillies have some advantages in the lineup, I would say. I think the first four are they're kind of even based on the based on the players they have in their first four, I would say. Then the next couple the Houston Astros definitely have the advantage, I think. Um, but then near the end of the lineup, I mean, the Phillies are definitely have definitely have a better end of the lineup, and um, I think the Phillies could win the World Series if they play at their best part uh, best baseball and I think another thing is that I think I have there's a difference between Joe Girardi and Rob Thompson I think because Girardi is very emotional and I think he got the players very worried and they would swing at a bunch of wild pitches but Thompson is usually doesn't usually get very excited until the game is actually over so the players feel more calm, I think. I love that analysis. You can't understate what a manager does to make his players feel comfortable. That's the number one job of baseball managers, to make those players feel feel comfortable. Um, 
DJ, do you got a you have a favorite player on the on the Phillies? You know, I used to not like Bryce Harper, but now I like. It's kind of hard not. It's kind of hard not to love that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think he's uh, he's probably my favorite, and I'm I'm really liking the way Kyle Schwarber is playing. You know, because he used to play up in Boston where I live, and they would criticize him. They said he couldn't play anywhere in the field. He didn't know how to play any defense. Well, now he's playing defense, and he's hitting home runs and. Uh, seems like you said, like he's having a lot of fun. Definitely, if they're in the World Series, and because the Phillies haven't made it in what feels like a long time, and it's has literally has been a long time, he's gonna be happy <laughs> to make the World Series. Everyone's happy if they do that, right? Yeah, I, I would. I, I think. Uh, I think. I think you're right about that. And now they just got to go out and win four more games so they can continue to. Ride that happy wave. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. All right. Before before we let you go, TJ, we're going to transition to the NFL. Okay. Did you have anything that you wanted to talk about with the NFL? We were going to talk about the McCaffrey trade. We were going to talk about the best teams, or the worst teams in the league. Do you want to talk? Which one of those three things do you want to talk about? I do want to do one thing about fantasy football. About fantasy football. All right. hit, hit us up with fantasy football. So... This is about Bears receiver Dante Pettis. Yes, this is your this is your official guy here. Yeah, yeah. I I told everyone before the season that I I really like this guy and I think he could be good. Now he's not go exactly going off, but I've noticed something that he usually gets around ten to eighteen points against generally said based on rankings this year bad defenses and like around two to six points against good defenses and so I think that he might be to some people a good flex against bad defenses especially in bye weeks if you need if you need right yes yeah so TJ are you worried at all about the the quarterback play for for the Bears I love I love their quarterback big time, but he's been up and down, a little inconsistent this year. What do you think? He's definitely been up and down, but I will say that I think he can. he's capable, and he showed it, that he can make some good throws. And we saw not just Dante Pettis, but a bunch of other receivers. He's gotten some good passes. Uh there was a couple of good ones to Darnell Mooney. Yeah. Uh, I heard there were, there were some good ones to Equinamia St. Brown. But, and so I think he's capable of making some big throws. I just don't think he'll do every single throw. Okay. So that maybe limits the upside to Pettis a little bit, but you're not, right. you're not worried about that as much as as other, you think that Pettis will be able to score some points regardless of the quarterback play? Yes, I do, because I think that, ju- I mean, it's just one player, so when you're flexing somebody, and let's say he gets like a 10-yard catch, then a 5-yard catch, and then a 20-yard catch, that's an, a decent amount of points, and that's enough 
to hold a flex spot during a bye week. That's what I'm saying. That's right. Then the rest is all gravy. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. You heard it here yeah, first. Dante Pettis. All right, what's your one more thing? One more thing and then you're up. Okay. Then you're done. Okay. We're cutting you off. My la- my last thing is that start Daniel Jones. Everyone Ooh. needs to start Daniel Jones. I don't I I don't think he might not be as good in real life, but we're seeing him pick up the rushing yards. Amazing. It just feels like Brian Dable like he did with Josh Allen is just making him better, it seems like. And he's making some nice throws. Not everything is on target. We've seen a couple of easy screen passes not be a good result. But I'm, we're seeing some good passes, and we're seeing a lot of rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. I think that brings up his fantasy upside. Well, I, I'm, I'm a little more cautious of Daniel Jones because I think you're right. He needs to rush for like over 60, 70 yards in order for him to be fantasy relevant. Um, so I would, I, I'm more of a guy that if, uh, if it's not like a Lamar Jackson or I'm, why am I forgetting the quarterback in your hometown in Philadelphia right now? Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. If it's Jalen Hurts, you know you're getting those yards. You know you're getting a opportunity at a rushing touchdown every single game. I'm still wait. I'm. I don't know. I'm still having trouble with with Daniel Jones and these Giants for some reason. Facts on this. This is what I I listened to a podcast on this. First fact: Daniel Jones has more rushing yards than Naj- Najee Harris. Yes, he and does. Second, right. <laughs> and he has more rushing yards than Jalen Hurts. Does he really? Uh, Yes, he does. That's that's at least that's what I heard on the podcast that we were listening to. Um, it's probably yeah. It looks like I don't know. Quick math says he's got probably around four hundred yards, um, or something close to it. So, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe you're maybe you're you heard it here first, everybody. Go Daniel Jones and start him. So you're starting him on the road in Seattle against the uh, the Seahawks. And then that's also a bad defense. So it's also uh, it it makes it better to project more points from him. Okay. All right. So there if you, you have Daniel Jones or Jalen Hurts, you're starting Jan- and and Jalen Hurts, you're starting Daniel Jones. That's not the case. I think <laughs> Jalen Hurts is better, but I will definitely say if the if you if you need a plug in and play him a quarterback. Or Daniel Jones is on your waiver wire, something like that. Get him. Okay. Waiver wire. Start him if you need to plug and play him. All right, I like it. All right. Good night, buddy. Thank All right. you. Night. All right, and he's off. Well, we we at least temp, tamper tamp down some of that Patriots love you were texting about last <laughs> night. So he, I think he was just more excited that Mac Jones got benched than yeah. Uh, what a mess! What well. a mess! Uh, all right, so let's. Uh, all right, well, that was fantasy corner with TJ. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so let's talk a little um, fantasy football type trade, which is Christian McCaffrey getting traded from Carolina to San Francisco. Yeah. For a bunch of kind of mid round picks, a second, a third, um, a fourth, and a fifth, right? Yeah, like kind of, uh, kind of quite a bit there, uh, volume wise. Yeah. Um, McCaffrey got there quickly and got in the game like just a couple of days later. So 
kudos to him for not taking the slow train across across country. Right. Um, how do you think this affects the um, the NFL landscape, especially NFC? Um, I don't know. I mean, the 49ers then went out and laid an egg um, yep. against against the Chiefs at home. So, you know, it's uh, how much value added is McCaffrey going to add to that team? I, I guess I wonder. And he's always that injury risk. Um, you know, th- we're talking about a team that consistently likes to use two, if not three backs. Um, right. So I don't know. It, it's an interesting move. He obviously, un, un, you know, or, uh, you know, you can't argue that he's one of the more dynamic players in the league. What does he add? One win? Maybe that's enough. I, I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not sure what impact it's going to have. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think the, we talk about running backs not being that um, impactful to a team. However, I think McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, those type of backs are more than just, you know, running backs, right? They pass it to them. They can even split out wide. Um, I think they'll be able to use him in creative ways. Yeah. Um, and gives them a absolute ton of weapons um, at, at pretty much every position. And I don't know if necessarily it is to get that extra win in, in the regular season, but it's to be able to scheme some advances in, in the postseason against, you know, good defenses and find, like, how are you going to match up with Debo? You know, Brandon Ayuk is no slacker out there. Um, and Christian McCaffrey and, and cover them all on every play. Like, I, I mean, right. I think that that's what they're, that's what they're salivating at. You, you I think it's a lot of picks, but you know, they're kind of pushing it all in right now. Yeah. You have the right, uh, offensive mind to be able to do it. And presumably having another playmaker like that will help to further mask the, uh, you know, the shortcomings of your quarterback. So, right. um, I mean, it's it's a good move. It's a win now move because um, that's a lot of that's a lot of picks, um, and they you know they already lost a lot of picks from what do you call it uh, the previous year trading up to get Trey Lance. So right. they're they're moving everything forward. I, I do think McCaffrey's under contract for a little bit longer. Yep. Um, I don't remember how many years. So you know this isn't just a short term you know rental player. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly is something that's going to uh, make 49ers offensive coaches like think about creative ways to get all those guys on the field and get them get them all the football. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so kind of kind of to that point, one thing I wanted to think about is the generally consensus is the top three teams in the NFL are in whatever particular order you want: Bills, Chiefs. Eagles. Yes. Right. That is the, so, that is the top tier. Yeah. So the, then the interesting thing to me then is give me your next three best teams. Oh man. Four through six in the NFL. Bengals. Yep. Um, Bengals. I mean, do you just then Go to go to those teams that play in New Jersey, 
uh, say the Jets <laughs> and the Giants. Um, I mean, I, I think the Bengals are are getting hot at the right time. Um, I I think outside of that, as of right now, and granted they're dealing with a whole host of injuries now, the Jets have to be in that conversation. Um, and in the NFC, I, I, I guess you'd have to consider either Dallas or Minnesota um, in addition to the Giants. So if I had to knock those down to three, um, I would go Bengals, Dallas, and yeah, I'm going to be a homer, the Jets. All right. I like it. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on the Bengals. I think they've pushed themselves up into that that kind of almost to that top, you know, three tier there. Yeah. Um, Dallas, the, on the strength of their defense, I think, and Dak Prescott coming back, and hopefully, you know, hopefully for them, they've already banked a bunch of wins. So yeah, and, and improving that offense a, a little bit, getting them up up to even average would really. Um, make them a contender i think and i still can't it's either it's a between san francisco and the ravens to me really like, i just can't i can't quit the ravens for whatever reason <laughs> like I, I i love lamar jackson i think their defense is so much more capable than they're showing um they keep blowing leads yeah but at some point they're just they're not going to blow the lead um like last like on sunday yeah, but they almost—they still almost they get, did. They tried. Um, they gave it their they best tried. effort. <laughs> they tried to fumble it away. Um, and San Francisco, I just think there's there's just so much talent there. I feel like San Francisco should be up there, but man, um, it's been rough. So yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with San Francisco as my as number number seven there. I'm interested to see if you like the Ravens enough to pick them as an away team on the road or an away. Obviously, away teams are on the road. Um, an away team on a Thursday night game in Tampa Bay. Mm. We'll see. I wanted to. I wanted to. But we'll see. Okay. All right. So then next big question before we get to the picks. Yeah. Who are your two worst teams? The bottom of the barrel in the NFL. Okay. So the bottom of the barrel. You... Have to consider, despite what happened this weekend, um, Carolina to be in the depths of the of the lowest teams there. Yep. Um, just because they are, um, they're going through so much transition. I know that they won that game, and you know what? Maybe maybe they got a coach now that an interim that's going to breathe some life into the organization a little bit and. You know, maybe guys start playing, you know, a little harder or whatever. Who knows? Um, so maybe they have a few wins left in them. Um, so they, they have to, they've got to be in that conversation. And you, I don't think you can put Denver in there just because their defense is so out of this world. Um, so I'm going to, I'll keep them out of the, out of, uh, out of that conversation. You know, it's got to be Detroit. Um, yeah. What a disappointment from hard knocks and, believing and you know getting pants cleaned or dirty and you know <laughs> like butt cheeks and whatever like i don't remember yeah. what the line was but like uh there was so much energy coming out of that and it's been a pretty big disappointment 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I, Carolina and it's Carolina and, and I'm it's either one of these two disappointing teams to me, the Colts or the lions. Um, And based on the numbers, I think, I think it is the lions. Their defense has just been so, so bad. Um, And their offense is, you know, with through injuries and such has taken, you know, steps back from where we thought that they were a good offense. Um, And without that, it's just, it's just really bad. I mean, Um, the Colts are a game out of, being in the playoff. I mean, they're in the playoff hunt. They're three and three. Yeah, um, it's I hard. Mean, true. It's, it's yeah. hard. Then again, <laughs> then again, Caroline is a game out of first place too. So that's true. <laughs> there's yeah. some bad football being played across the league. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's not, there's, that's why the, the question of who's, who's four through seventh is like, well, amongst all of these teams that are all kind of huddled around the middle, who could it be? Yeah. You know? All right. So, Speaking of who could it be, who could it be with our picks um, right. based on the week six? Right. We took last you, week you, off pretty much. We took last week off. We did pick offline for week six. You went three and out. Let's go. Um, so trust, trust me on that one. I had the, I had the receipts. Yes. Um, like Robert went, Sala, you've got the receipts. That's right. There we go. Um, so let's do your three picks. Why don't you start and we'll alternate. Okay. So I'm going to start. I'm going to stay away from that Thursday night game. Too crazy for me. Um, and I'm going to go Panther hunting. Um, so give me the Falcons at home minus four and a half against the Panthers. I know the Panthers came out and did something weird against the Buccaneers. Um, I do think that is an anomaly. I, uh, I know the Falcons had a tough game, um, on the road against the Bengals. Other than that, they've played pretty well. They've been in every game. Um, so I will, I'll go with the Falcons minus four and a half against the Panthers. Okay. I like that one. Uh, I thought that was one of my picks, and it is not. Okay. Um, but I really, I really like that one. I think that's a good look. That um, Atlanta's playing well enough on offense that they should uh, probably beat them. Yeah. All right. All right. So my first pick, I'm going Detroit hunting. I'm taking Miami minus three and a half against Detroit. Um, I think Miami, you know, is has enough on offense to score quite a few points on Detroit's bad defense. And Miami's defense is okay. It's fine. It's not great. Um, but I think I'm doing the same as you and just picking against uh, the bad teams. And, you know, when you're, you're under a touchdown against a bad team, I, I think that's, that's a, a, a good enough look, you know? Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to argue against going uh, lion hunting at, at this point, the, Earlier in the season, when they were scoring a ton of points, you right. could you could make an argument there. Ugh, now it's, I don't know. Right, exactly. So, um, I so desperately want to um, be a homer and take uh, the Jets in the point and a half um, at home against the uh, against the Patriots. But in the interest of staying away from your rooting interest, I am going to go with the team that you accused of being on a soft, um, 
what do you call it? Uh, yeah, stealth a tank. Stealth tank. That was it. A stealth tank. Yeah. I'll, and look at them. They're foreign too. Yeah. Um, they're they're foreign too. Mike Vrabel's got to be in the running for coach of the year. What he's been able to do. They're on the road against the one and four and one Texans, and they're laying two points as road favorites. That's kind of a pick 'em. It's very close to one. So all the Titans have to do is win this game pretty much. So I will take the Titans to beat the Texans minus two. Yeah, I didn't pick that one. I like that look, though. Under a field goal against Houston, Tennessee is, yeah, better than Houston. That opening line was five and a half. Um, so it's come down quite a bit. So under under the field goal, I think you're getting good yeah. value there. All right. Um, next. My next one is Seattle. Minus three versus the Giants. Don't tell TJ. <laughs> I still think Daniel Jones will be fine in this game, um, but Seattle's defense is improving. Um, I think Seattle's team is more substantial than the Giants are. Giants have been fortunate this year. To their credit, they've been fortunate. Um, but away at Seattle, cross-country trip, um, with Geno Smith playing well, Kenneth Walker playing well on, on their on their team, and Pete Carroll coaching up a young defense. Um, I think Seattle finally pops a bubble uh, for the Giants in the fourth quarter. The Giants have killed the fourth quarters. I think Seattle finally is able to control the ball and hold them, hold them out for once. Yeah, I mean, killed the fourth quarter is definitely one way to put it. They've been losing the football game and I'm just checking my math here and I think every game but one that they've won. Yeah. I think that's correct. So that's there's you know there's a difference between being a fourth quarter team and like winning in the fourth quarter and like putting the game away in the fourth quarter than what they're doing, which seems like you're going to run out of luck at some point doing that. Um, yep. So I, I'm with you. I think that's a pretty good pick. I don't know that you can go to Seattle, notoriously among the tougher places to play, be losing in the fourth corner, uh, quarter and expect to win. And this is a Geno Smith revenge game. Oh, yeah. Geno Smith revenge game, of course. Yeah, so I, I like I like that pick too. Um, right. So for my final like one, one, sorry, go ahead. No, what's your last one? Uh, so my final one, I'm gonna ride. Um, I I mean I put them right under uh, the top tier, so I got to ride the Bengals on Monday night, Halloween. They scare the Browns um, out of uh, out of their costumes. Um, minus the three and a half points. I think the Browns are a team that are reeling right now, and the Bengals are a team that are ascending. Um, you know, one one team seems like they've got adults in the room, the other doesn't. So I know it's a rivalry game and and all that, um, but give me the Bengals minus three and a half. Uh, that is also my third pick. All right, so I'm on that one as well. I like the the Cincinnati offense. Seems like they're back. Um, the bang or the um, Browns defense doesn't appear to really be able to stop much, especially against the run. So Cincinnati may actually be able to run here, and if they can do that, then the rest of their offense is just going to be unlocked. 
Yeah. And I don't I don't think they're going to be afraid of anything that Cleveland can do. So, yeah, give me the minus three and a half. I'll lay it. Um, we all t- we took all favorites this week, so I'm which sure you know, in first off, <laughs> when when the two of us pick a game, listeners, so go ahead and you should probably pick the Browns. And yeah, in a league where the underdogs have been popping at sixty percent, we went and picked six collect or five collective yeah. favorites. <laughs> five, five favorites, yeah. Oh yeah. boy. Well, you know yeah. what do we know? Yeah, we don't we don't know much. Um, all right, so I have an idea of what we're keeping our eye on. Okay, something that's starting Friday. Yeah. Um, do you have anything anything else that we should keep our eye on? This uh, week? no. Let's let's keep our eye on that World Series. All right. So keep your eyes glued to the World Series and keep your ears glued to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. All right. So actually, is next week? What's TJ's segment going to be next week? I don't, I, I don't know. I got to come up with it. Something. Yeah, we, we, we're, we're going to have to. He's too, he's too dynamite to, uh, <laughs> talent to leave on the sidelines. That'd be like having like Jamar Chase and being like, yeah. it, it's, it's the way the Jets are using um, uh, more right now. We got we to gotta right. find a way to get TJ the football. Yeah. I know he's going to be asking for a trade here. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> he's going to be demanding a trade. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, man.